podcast has bad words. <laughs> Hello, patrons. What's up, y'all? This is Ask the Minimalists Anything number 24. We just finished recording a podcast with one of our favorite people in the world. Dr. Ryan Green is here. So we got some uh, health-related questions. Now, we usually do Ask the Minimalists Anything for only our true fan patrons. I want to, because Dr. Green is here, I want to release this to all the patrons. They can all bask yeah. in his glory and all of, of his you. knowledge. It's mighty kind <laughs> of you. So, so um, we've got half an hour here to answer a bunch of health-related questions. This is a special Ask the Minimalist Anything About Wellness episode with Dr. Ryan Green. The first question is from Gathering Dreams. What would you suggest as a minimum amount of exercise to stay healthy for someone who hates any type of physical activity? <laughs> Uh, we could call it minimalist exercise routine. Well, actually, so what is the bare minimum is what they're asking. Bare minimum is zero. Don't get out of your bed ever. That's bare minimum. That's not very healthy though, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, uh, one thing uh, th that made me uh, radically change my health was figuring out how to get rid of all the excuses. Mm. So if you go to our website, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. I have something called, and I would love to hear what Doc, Doc Green has to say about this. It's the uh, 18 minutes a day minimalist exercise routine. And it truly wears me out. It gets my, and I, so I did it this morning as an example. I didn't feel like doing it. I was like, oh, I'm going to run late. Nope. I got it. Everyone has 18 minutes a yeah. day for their health, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I alternate between three exercises, pull-ups, push-ups, squats and so this morning i probably did around 70 pull-ups 200 push-ups and i don't know 100 squats uh all body weight exercises the only thing you need is a pull-up bar which uh, is 20 bucks and you can have installed in your house and for me that starts my day off for success it's not the only exercise i do i walk quite a bit i generally walk to the office or the studio um and I try to do other things besides that th those 18 minutes but for me it sets up a good foundation what do you think about that think it's totally reasonable. Um, the only iteration that I would add is some sort of resistance. So, you know, pull-ups are great because you're pulling against your own body weight, which is a significant amount of resistance. We know, especially as individuals age, bone health becomes a serious concern. Mm -hmm. So the more muscle you can develop, and you don't have to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger, but maintaining a healthy, lean body mass will contribute to better bone stock, stronger bones as you get older. The reason that matters is a lot of individuals as you age struggle with what's called osteopenia, osteoporosis, so essentially thinning of the bones. That contributes to what are known as fragility fractures, so mm -hmm. being older, fragile, and things that normally would not cause a fracture of a bone, a small fall or bumping something or you know, yeah. anything like that. Then at that point, because you don't have the strongest bones, because you're just you're not placing load on your frame, contribute to high morbidity mortality in individuals earlier than is necessary, because those little bumps, bruises, cause fractures may require surgery, which is a huge metabolic insult, and then that's kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. So, 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 so one thing I add to my routine I didn't actually mention because this is less minimalist is yeah. I, I wear a weight vest as okay. well. So yeah, that you know, and, and I'm right. able to to then like manipulate you know the amount of weight that I have on the vest, Correct. but also it adds additional resistance Correct. for the push-ups, the squats, and the hundred percent. So I mean, that's totally reasonable. That's yep. totally reasonable. So in the podcast, you were talking about how it's recommended uh, 150 minutes of aerobic exercise each week. Moderate to high high intensity. Yeah, yeah. so so with, with Gathering Dreams question here, they're asking the minimum amount of exercise to stay healthy. Correct. So do you think the 18 minute routine that Josh has, is that the minimum amount to stay healthy? Or like what would your thoughts be on that? So 
I think if you factored in all the exercise that he does throughout a daily basis, and again, we have yeah, to, with the walking, we and, have yeah. to, we have to remove the framework of exercise equals sixty minutes in a fitness facility. That mm. is not true. Right. That I, is I saw a, this cartoon once in yeah. the New Yorker that set, had two doors going into a gym, and one was for the the regular gym, the other was for people who want to sit on exercise equipment and check Instagram. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. just because you're there for an hour doesn't mean you're actually doing Correct. anything. Correct. So I think. <clears throat> You don't have to be militant per se about logging time, but mm -hmm. if you did a 20-minute rather exhaustive session of something and then walked a lot, took the stairs versus the elevator. When I was at Dartmouth uh, for residency, every stairwell had a sign that said free exercise. Mm, and all of it, that. Yeah. yeah, so like walk on stairs. You know, It's little things like that that will eventually accumulate to a little bit of a greater exercise load throughout the week. Cool. Escape from 714 says, best compromises for when you and your partner have different requirements as to what constitutes a good sleeping environment. Um, Dude. No compromise. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the best compromise. I think if, you, if you're radically different, you're going to need to sleep in two different rooms then. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's funny because like, I look at the old-timey shows where they weren't allowed to have two people sleeping in the same bed. Right. But there's actually some you know, healthful benefits that if you, if you and your partner have different uh, sleep styles, like sometimes you... Having two separate bags actually will help you sleep better. Totally reasonable. I, you guys are aura ring guys. I'm not a hand jewelry individual, so I do the <laughs> whoop band. But one of the questions it asks every morning when you get up, when it's monitoring your sleep, is did you share your bed with another individual? Mm. Doesn't, it doesn't matter what you did. But the point being is having another individual in the bed can disrupt a sleep pattern if yeah. they're moving or not. So I, I completely agree. Like if, if, there are preferences, and I agree with you, Josh, that there is a essentially one type of sleep hygiene profile that everyone should aim to achieve. But ultimately, if your partner and you have discrepancies there, like y'all are unconscious anyway. So what's the point in sleeping in different rooms? Ultimately, if it leads to better sleep and then yeah. you wake up more rested and you can interact with one another. Totally so I've recommended that to individuals in the past. I think it's totally reasonable. Yeah. I mean, Mariah and I have a king size bed and like that is because her and I both are like flip floppers. I yeah. mean, we could we sleep in a queen size bed? Yeah, we did that. Uh, you know, it eventually tacoed and we had to like get a new bed and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get better yeah. sleep with the king size bed. Yeah. And even then still, she takes up a lot of time. Yeah, I am a snuggler. So he, like <laughs> Ryan knows this. Yeah. I'm, I'm an unconscious snuggler. Like, we were on tour. Oh, we man. did an entire year of touring and we were broke, and so like we would sleep at the. I'm not complaining, man. And like I, I would wake up. In fact, we were on tour with Colin and 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 the two of us. And there was one morning I woke up and I had my arm around both of them. I was laying <laughs> yeah. on my stomach. Like I can't help it. Yeah. And and so I I totally sympathize with someone like Bex who's like struggles with sleep. But here's the thing. He, ultimately, I think it's about supporting your partner, right? Sure. And so if your needs are different from theirs, if you're trying to compromise, try to talk to them about what is healthiest for both of you because so, good sleep for your relationship is good for your relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, y'all have met Jackie. She is very much like, I don't know, we're both heaters. Uh -huh. And so like the romantic part of you is like, oh, I just want to like fall asleep with you in my arms. She has said like, get as far away from me as possible. <laughs> like your body, your internal body temperature as you, you know, overnight. It's funny, Mariah. Does not contribute. Mariah's on the other end of the spectrum where like she's always cold and then she will like, yeah, take some of the heat away yeah. from me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Lana, the FQ says, what food to avoid and what food to prefer to keep your gut healthy in your 30s and 40s? Um, 
Does that change like for your 30s and 40s? Meaning, no. yeah. So, so basically, you're gonna stick to like some fermented things that have probiotics. Sure. Um, what sure. else is healthy for your gut, Josh? You fiber, know better than anyone. Fiber, fiber, fiber. fiber. So, okay. for, I mean, for and that's you're gonna have a different answer because you. Well, right, have I don't a have a healthy experience. gut, but yeah, yeah no, I, I think my answer is ultimately gonna be the same as yours. I mean, I've learned so. I, I here's the weird thing. Not Doc Green, but I probably know a lot more about the gut than most medical doctors right now. But mm-hmm. that's just because of what I've gone through the last 10 months. And I've right. learned a whole lot. I've had to go through colonoscopies, endoscopies. I've had to learn about antimicrobials and the effect of uh, the microbiome. And I, I know about bifidobacteria and, and all of these different things that, that um, you know, are, are, and actually here's what I've learned. The more I figure out, the less I have it figured out. Mm, you can yeah. tweet that podcast, Sean. Um, I, I think that that we know very little about the the gut, and also we especially know very little about what's going on in the small intestine and the microbiota of the small intestine. It's so hard without doing a biopsy to figure out what is even going on in the small intestine. By the way, you don't even have that much bacteria relative to your colon in the small intestine. You you have, uh, or if you do, you have small bacterial overgrowth or or small intestinal (coughs) bacterial overgrowth or small intestinal fungal overgrowth. Mm. These are all problems. However, for the average person, it seems to me that feeding the good guys staves off the bad guys. Correct. We know gut bacteria need fiber to survive and many of our foods that are processed are stripped of that and that has contributed to a significant amount of uh, immune cognitive neurotransmitter issues because we're just not providing the the necessary nutrients for our guts to function and flourish. The recommendation from the functional integrative medicine space is about 35 to 40 grams of fiber per day, Mm. which doesn't seem a lot if you eat a diet with varied fruits, vegetables, fermented foods, grains, nuts, things like that. But a lot of people just don't even get close to that. And then you end up having to take Metamucil and all these other supplements. Don't don't do Metamucil because uh, there's a lot of science that shows that it, it... Potentially has a negative effect on the mucosal layer, sure. mm. but there are there are alternatives. Uh, sun fiber is a really good one. Um, we can put a link to some sun fiber in, in the show notes yeah. if people want that. Like, There's other sources other than yeah. over-the-counter supplements. Right, and yeah. so if you do need fiber, it's better to have smoothies than it is to have juice, right? Correct. You're extracting all the, the fiber. Now, there are arguments that you can have a completely healthy gut microbiome without any fiber, and I think there are some good arguments there. However... Uh, you're going to then get rid of many of the bacteria. You're going to change your your microbiome potentially for the bad if you remove all the fiber. Mm. Uh, someone like me right now, I can't eat fiber, which is is horrible. Not just in terms of like gustatory pleasure, but like uh, if I eat fiber, it makes me depressed. It makes me now I have the worst gut of anyone you know. Mm. Uh, but that's because and here's my my best tip for Lana: don't take antibiotics unless they are absolutely necessary. Right. Now, I'm not a doctor. I can't give you uh, medical advice, but I, the advice I would give myself if I go back to my 21-year-old self is, hey, change your diet. Don't take those antibiotics. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, I think you'd be in a better position. Bionic Woman asks, for Dr. Green, regarding anti-inflammatory nutritional plans, do they really reduce inflammation in patients with autoimmune diseases to the point of reduced pain? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So I trained with my integrative medicine fellowship at University of Arizona under Dr. Andrew Weil, who created, he's the father of nutritional medicine, integrative medicine. He's been doing it for four decades now. Mm. Uh, He created True Food Kitchen, Mm -hmm. which is a wildly popular restaurant. Very excited for him. But their their menu is built off the anti-inflammatory eating style, Mm -hmm. which is essentially the Mediterranean diet, which is the most well-studied frequently consumed of in human history um with now, what a, is inflammation for people who are, they hear that term but they're not really sure what it is so inflammation is your body's response to uh, essentially everything inflammation is a native component of the human body excessive inflammation due to food nutrition lack of sleep cortisol you know bacteria viruses things like that gut dysbiosis uh, yeah anything can cause excessive wow. inflammation but the inflammatory cascade is the body's naturally signal, natural signaling mechanism. So eliminating all inflammation would not be good. Right. You need inflammation, but not too much, right? So for individuals who have autoimmune disease, there are certain types of foods, most common dairy, gluten, that tend to increase the inflammatory signaling from the gut. So the anti-inflammatory eating profile aims to eliminate those sources that we know contribute to inflammation, also provide a lot of fiber, good fats to theoretically heal, heal the gut and provide nutrients that are also rich in antioxidants, phytonutrients that can help your body's immune system defend against you know, an autoimmune issue, which is your body attacking itself. So for a uh, bionic woman, yes, they do work, but you have to be strict and you have to do you have to perform this type of eating style for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. If you do it for 30 days, you'll probably notice minimal effect. Mm -hmm. Everything in the body for the most part, especially in like the hormonal access space requires consistent three month intervention for the central nervous component of the human body to essentially reset and stabilize to a, a new state of being, right? Wow. Same thing for your gut, if not a longer period of time, considering how quickly gut cells, gut bacteria, and things like that turn over. So yes, they work, they're beneficial, they can reduce pain certainly, but it requires dedication, consistency, and compliance for a long period of time, Yeah, if not the rest of your life. What I found is, so I have some pretty significant autoimmune issues. uh, especially after the the E. coli incident in in Brazil, and I what I found is when I came back and I, I was eating some of these foods that you consider to be healthy, but they were inflammatory to toward me, right? And so I started getting groin rashes, I started getting weird acne on my legs, I started like breaking out in strange places, uh, getting rashes, and these are all autoimmune responses. It's your your it's your right. immune system overreacting Certainly. to these types of foods, and uh, so unfortunately now I do want to get back to a relatively plant-based diet where I was before, where I was at my healthiest, uh, eating uh, good meats as well, you know, a balanced diet, but I've had to strip all fiber from my diet currently. That is not ideal for me. I don't think it's ideal for most people. However, uh, I'll give you an example. Last week, I had a third of a yam last Wednesday, and um, I woke up the next morning. I thought both of my ankles were broken. That's how inflamed I was. A third of a yam. Wow. I mean, who thinks of that as like, the hell is yeah. that bad for you? Right. But for me, I have an extreme autoimmune response. However, once I figure out how to exactly to fix the gut, you know, Bex and I are going to do an FMT, and we'll, we can talk more about that at some other point in time. <laughs> but uh, uh, 
Yeah, uh, uh, FMT is a gut flora transplant or a fecal microbiome transplant. You yes, it's exactly what that. it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> it's the power of poop. Yeah. Dot com, literally, is uh, one of the websites. Wow. Um, now, uh, let's see. Uh, or Carrie Ann says, best advice for surviving medical residency with your health and sanity in one place. Mm. You've gone through medical residency. I haven't. So what is your advice? You need to... Man, it sounds so cliche. Make time for yourself. Do things that you bring you enjoyment on a daily basis or as frequently as possible. And do not allow excuses to deviate from that, you know, those instances that allow you to be happy. So for me, it was exercise. It was endorphins. Mm. Um, I made sure I built time into it every single day. In our residency holding cell we like to call it so where like the sleep rooms were and things like that we had a little gym my buddies and i would put up like how many push-ups we wanted to do that day and every time we walked into that space we would pop in there and just rip out as many as we could so just little things like that that allowed us to to survive um but then also take time for yourself take your vacation don't you know if you have time take it disconnect recharge rejuvenate and realize that you're not going through this alone. Mm. So feel free to rely on others, especially if you're going through a hard time. Say, hey, like, you're not super people. You can have maladies, both cognitive and physical yourself. So don't try and pretend and hide and overcome. If you're not feeling great, you know, take time to heal. It makes me think of that article uh, that we that we read, Five Reasons Why I Don't uh, Go See a Doctor. And yeah. one of them was about how stressed out doctors are. Sure. And one of the mechanisms that they use is alcohol. Yep. So, I mean, the only thing I would add to that is, like, don't look for the easy ways totally. to, to, to de-stress. I mean, live a little. I'm not saying, like, not to drink at all. But don't rely on those simple levers to, 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 yeah, to bring you down yeah. at the end of the day. Self-care is the best health care in, in many ways. Yeah. If yeah. you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of the other people uh, while, you, while you're in residency. All right. Uh, let's see. Midnight Sun 25 says, could you please talk about portion control and the feeling of fullness? We call that satiety, right? Yeah. And we kind of commented on that in the podcast, but um, depending on what you're eating, people tend to overconsume calories. So calorically dense, uh, but not necessarily uh, large and voluminous. Right. Yeah. So you talked about these two sensors in the Correct. stomach. Correct. Yeah. So you want to stretch the stomach, but you also want to provide appropriate amount of calories. Our food sources tend to be packed with calories, but not a ton of fiber, or there's just not a lot of volume to them. So we tend to not stimulate the comprehensive receptor network that tells the rest of our body, hey, we've had enough food. The other thing that goes into that is a Japanese principle called Hari Hachi Bu, which is essentially eating till you're 75% full, mm -hmm. taking 10 or 15 minutes and then reassessing say, hey, have I had enough? Am I satiated? Because, and again, this goes back to fiber, colonic bacteria and gut bacteria produce what's called butyrate. Butyrate is a substance that goes to the brain and when the level rise indicates that satiety has been achieved or enough food or caloric material has been consumed. But that pattern takes about 15 to 20 minutes. So if you're hungry and ravenous and just start feeding your face, eventually you'll stretch your stomach and you'll start to feel full. But right. I promise you 20 minutes later, you'll be like, that was a terrible decision. I yeah. ate way too much food. Why did I do and that? And then you get sleepy. Yeah. So I practice of saying, hey, if I'm going to eat a meal, 
give yourself 20 minutes to slowly consume it or eat till you're like, okay, I'm starting to feel full and just stop. Again, it's a practice. Um, I suspect you will notice you consume less because you actually reach satiety in its truest sense of the word and not because you've stretched your stomach to the point where your body's saying like, we literally cannot pack in any I think that's food. a totally reasonable approach to the hachibachi boo <laughs> technique. <laughs> to eat till you're 75% full. Chelsea says, I don't like to follow recipes as you have to buy random ingredients for one dish. How do you stay creative in your meal plan without over buying? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I will admit to you, I do not cook as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. So... Um, because I am able to eat great modern organic Mexican food pretty frequently. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, for those of you who yeah. don't know, Dr. Green is, he, he helps out with the meal planning or the, the menu rather at, uh, Takaya, which is, sure. um, a really great restaurant here in Los Angeles. I want to call it a Mexican restaurant, but it's like, it's not a Mexican. I mean, yeah. it is, but it isn't modern organic Mexicans. Yeah. The best way to put it's, it. it's, yeah, it's one of my favorite restaurants in sure. LA for sure. Um, but how do you see creative? So. What you really need to do is you just, you have to plan ahead. So, you know, there's numerous sites, websites, Pinterest and others where you can find either meal planning options or recipes that can provide various takes based on the same type of preparation. So at first it could be, you know, you prepare fruits and vegetables, proteins for a proper meal, and then you combine them into a soup or something like that throughout the week. So you don't end up eating the same thing every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to recommend for people to make food once every three days or so. So like a Sunday, Wednesday program, Okay. because you can buy enough for a couple days reasonably, Mm. and then you don't end up over consuming something and just falling out of love with you know, chicken, turkey, whatever, you know, proteins tend to be the problematic component. Yeah. I, I, I know Bex, um, she just has these staples. She's a great cook and yeah. she has like these foundational staples. So yeah. when she doesn't have to go buy 17 different spices because yeah. we're going to make one meal, mm-hmm. she has five that she leans on pretty regularly, whether it's garlic or onion. These Your two favorite ingredients. Yeah, I, I, I dislike both of those, but <laughs> uh, I love her so much. I'm willing to tolerate those two things. <laughs> That's true love right there. Um, but she does have much better gut health than me. Um, so there's there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, it makes me think of, uh, I always cook this green curry dish. Uh-huh. And it's like, I have to go get, like the two most random ingredients I can think of are these Thai chili peppers and these lime leaves. And when you buy them, you have to buy them in mass quantities. Mm-hmm. And I always, like when I buy them, I feel how, uh, how yeah, Chelsea feels here. It's like, man, I got to buy these random ingredients and there's a lot of them. I found though, putting them in the freezer actually... Make some less. Now, it's not uh-huh. like having fresh Thai chili peppers. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I'll thaw them out and like eat them. It's definitely not as good as fresh, but it's still like it still does the trick. And like, I'm not Especially wasting a bunch of food. Curry. You're not just eating the pepper by yeah, itself. Yeah, exactly. So, there are ways like you can kind of conserve some of those, those random ingredients. Cause like Mariah and I, we do like to do a lot of various dishes. The spices, too, though, it's like, you know, if we're going to make an Indian curry, for example, there are these random spices you have to have, but spices keep for so long. Sure, and totally. like, yeah, we've got a spice shelf that we keep all those on and we use them, uh, not all the time, but we, we do use them. You fake minimalist. I can't ah. believe you have spices at your house. Sean, delete that comment. I'm Northern European, so we have only salt. <laughs> uh, that is our one spice. Sea salt, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I do have a, I have a box of sea salt here at the office yeah. that I have with my pemmican. Mm. It's delicious. Mm, Let me tell pemmican. you what. Uh, Val Zakas says, I always struggle with overdoing 
and overthinking the whole health thing, diet, exercise, etc. So inside it and simplifying it would be much appreciated. Now, that's what I actually appreciate most about Doc Green here is taking the complexities of the body, of diet, of sleep, of mm-hmm. exercise, and saying, hey, you have some simple choices to make here. Yeah. And if you, if you get the simple stuff right, then you're 90% of the way sure. there. Yeah. Sure. Totally. Um, man. Move. I just, yeah. Go I was ahead. gonna say I love I love what you maybe you're just getting ready to say it, man. Like it was you said, uh, move, eat yeah. well, and recover. Yeah. Like that's a, that's pretty simple advice. Move every day. Stay hydrated. Um, when you drink water too, you know, make sure you're adding something that has an electrolyte component. You tend to absorb it a little bit better, and that helps with your overall energy level. Um, take time to recover too. You know, if you're going hard exercising, it's okay to take time off. You won't. Uh, balloon up and body fat or anything like mm-hmm. that. Ultimately, you'll be able to continue your your activity levels. Um, from the diet component, it's just eat real food. And I don't really care paleo, keto, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's benefits to all of them, but just eating real food, making sure you get good quality protein from wherever you're sourcing that. Um, and then, yeah, you have a strong community, have loved ones around you that care about you. That's uh, That will help all those other components because then you have a support system. Yeah. All right, we got a question from the Big T Boy. Possible solutions to have more energy in the morning other than coffee or their healthy alternatives. Now, Dr. Grant, I noticed you don't drink coffee. Nope, it stunts my growth. Uh, <laughs> six, six, four, hoping to maybe make it to six, five. <laughs> Remember, uh, so uh, the best basketball player, uh, well, I, I guess he, did he, did Giannis win MVP last year? Do you know Giannis yeah. Antetokounmpo? Yeah. yeah so um, when he was drafted, I think he was 6'6", six, six, and now he's like 6'11". Yeah, they're young. How does that, uh, that's great. Oh, okay. He, he, but he grew out, you know, I, he was drafted when he was 19 or whatever, and, and still, you know, there's some people who grow after they're 19 still, and now wow. he's like, you see him when he was drafted, and you're like, Oh, they really took a gamble on this guy, but now he's like, you know, they call him the Greek freak for a reason. Mm. And um, yeah, he's just a, a specimen. Um, but I guess some people do continue to grow it yeah. th- uh, beyond I'm nineteen. Um, <laughs> but but let's let's talk about coffee because I do enjoy coffee. Now Ryan and I are biased. We own a coffee shop, right. and we encourage people to go to theminimalists.coffee. And if you're going to buy coffee, you can buy our coffee. Um, however, uh, I'm not married to that. I'm 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 willing to give up coffee. I gave up coffee for three days once in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you the last time I went a day without coffee. I think I was like on a five-day camping trip and didn't actually that's not true i had some instant coffee i brought with me so the last day i gave a coffee was september 2nd 2009 wow and um so i am certainly addicted to it now um you don't drink coffee do you have a morning ritual do you have yep. drink in the morning yeah so uh what people have to appreciate is you know coffee's not bad by any means you guys do organic fair trade it's got a lot of antioxidants it's fantastic um but if it's your sole source of energy, that becomes problematic. Mm-hmm. What people have to appreciate is no matter who you are on planet Earth, you lose about a liter of fluid roughly overnight just through respiration. So almost everyone wakes up dehydrated. Yeah. Coffee and tea are both Diuretic. diuretics. Mm-hmm. So if that is your first go-to, you are further dehydrating yourself. And at the end of the day, dehydration is more problematic than lack of energy mm-hmm. and they're they're essentially they they work hand in hand so what i recommend for everyone and i do this myself first thing you do when you get up 
for one, get out of bed. So go try and get some light exposure, some cold exposure, fresh air, and then have about, you know, 20, 30 ounces of fluid, throw a little sea salt, squeeze a lemon, an electrolyte tab, if, if that's what you have and drink that right away. Cause one, it'll wake you up. Um, it'll rehydrate you. And I suspect you will notice over a period of weeks that you have more energy starting off earlier in the day and then have a cup of coffee, have a matcha green tea, something like that, that has a caffeine component. If that works for your physiologic system, but what tends, what is problematic is individuals that rely on that to get them going when in actuality, what they need is to rehydrate. I'm glad you brought that up because before I have my coffee, as I'm making the coffee, I have a 60 or pint, is that 16 ounces is in a pint? I believe so, yeah. Is that right, Sean? Um, <laughs> how many kilometers is that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, uh, I and uh, Dr. Wood, um, Tommy, he from Nourish Balance Thrive, um, he, had me buy this electrolyte um it's like a you could feed an army with of a, with these electrolytes but i just do like um uh, a serving of electrolytes in that 16 ounces of water yep. and so it's like potassium magnesium um sodium and one other electrolyte um anyway it, it's it's all there and then i have a second glass of that same stuff with my coffee and so i sure. guess it's 32 ounces with so yep. i am getting some hydration i yep. don't just go straight for the coffee yep. and I, gu I guess maybe that mitigates it a little bit yeah 100 I, I, yeah i would i suspect anyone who's listening would notice an improvement in energy levels uh just by doing that alone that's awesome you're gonna have to like send me what that is because yeah we'll put a link to it it's, it's this giant thing and you just put like a, a quarter of a of a teaspoon but, in. But you're saying like some salt and lemon juice would, would be sea sufficient. salt has seventy plus, maybe eighty plus vitamins and minerals okay. in you know pink Himalayan sea salt. So like how much sea how much pink Himalayan sea salt would you put in? So like a twenty I ounce put glass like of water? a dime quarter size. Okay. In. Okay. Um, What's out here? Gram maybe. Like half a teaspoon, maybe or a little bit less than <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Whatever well, metric works for you. I'm with, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, well, I was just saying, I, I was talking to Saladino about this, and I mean, he has an obscene amount. He doesn't recommend it, but he was he actually helped to help with my deep sleep because I'm not doing any carbs right now, so I'm not necessarily producing the, the melatonin. Mm -hmm. What's that, endogenously? Yeah. Is that the right term? Correct. Um, and so uh, one thing that has helped is increasing my salt intake to about three or four grams a day. Oh, wow. uh, Himalayan sea salt. Uh, it a lot of magnesium in it. Uh, yeah, and, and, well, and then also I do some of the, I, I do a magnesium supplement, um, and then I do the, the electrolytes as well. Uh, I'll find a link to it and, and put it in the show notes as well. Uh, M-S-E-D-L-A-K-09 asks, I've been dealing with severe acne for three years. I'm sorry, I've I, uh, dealt with it as well. I've already done two rounds of Accutane. Dude, I put a, I, I took Accutane um, oh. when I graduated high school because I had really bad acne on my back, and it mm -hmm. did cure. Accutane. It did. <laughs> it did cure my back knee. Uh -huh. But man, I have um, I've had skin problems ever since, and they seem to just be getting worse as I get older. Here's, I, here, uh, he said, "I've tried a lot of cleansing gels and other products. Nothing really helped. I'm currently trying to cut off dairy." Well, there's a problem. You're trying. Yeah. Um, what's Yoda say? There is no try. Um, I mean, here, here's the thing, and we talked about this briefly during the uh, podcast episode we recorded, but um, I wish two things wouldn't have happened. So I've, I've talked to a lot of gut experts now um, about what's going on in my gut, and 
people who do FMTs, which is sort of the most extreme thing to try to fix their gut, they tend to have two, the, the two commonalities that come up. I've talked to different clinics. The two things that come up is overuse of antibiotics and use of Accutane. Mm. For whatever reason, and especially those two in conjunction like I've done, um, mm. it ruins the gut microbiota. And I don't know why. Uh, we know very little about the gut, as I mentioned earlier. However, uh, if you're doing Accutane, you're, you're, what you're doing is you're covering up a symptom. You're fixing, you're taking, oh, the pill's the easy thing to do. Yeah. I wish a doctor would have come to me and said, hey, try this for a month to 90 days. Get rid of dairy. Get rid of gluten. Get rid of soy. I actually have a soy allergy. That was what I was getting really bad breakouts mm. on my scalp. And as soon as I cut soy out, gone. Yeah. yeah. Just now, I'm not saying that you're allergic to soy. I don't know. You may have some sort of allergy, and an elimination diet will help you. Mm -hmm. Accutane yep. is just going to cover up the what symptoms. What does Accutane do? Is it an anti? <clears throat> it's not an antibiotic. Right? No, it's a vitamin A supplement that okay. you know kills skin surface bacteria, causes the it's, it's very hepatotoxic, so it's pretty bad for the liver. But essentially, uses vitamin A to eliminate bacteria. Um, mm. that cause uh, the acne. acne and uh, any other bacteria that's yeah. on your skin, it sounds like. Wow. By the yeah. way, Brutal. Accutane's off-market now. You have right. to get uh, only generics are, are available at this point, and I don't even I, know if yeah, those are available. I haven't prescribed it. And I haven't seen someone using it in a long time. Yeah, I used it in my early 20s, and I was prescribed several rounds like like uh, this gentleman. Um, I Personally, I'm not. I can't tell you what to do. I can't give you medical advice. If I were in your shoes, I would avoid it. I would also avoid getting on Bactrin or anything like that, um, unless it's absolutely necessary. There are uses for antibiotics. Antibiotics save people's lives. Mm -hmm. Doctor Wood, who has been on this podcast, he was bit uh, by a pit viper and had to do intravenous antibiotics mm -hmm. for four days. It's because, like the deadliest snake, right? Yeah, in this hemisphere. Yeah, wow. deadliest snake in this hemisphere. Um, and had to be on intravenous antibiotics for four days, otherwise he would have been dead. Mm. And so there are there are uses for this stuff where it actually saves your life. We're using it almost recreationally. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, I, I'm not willing to change my diet. Like he said here, I'm trying to get off dairy. That's I just would, saying that I'm I haven't cut out dairy yet. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So so I, I would you know what what kind of elimination can you can you do and then go from there. Last question here. Uh, Lindsay, I, I feel for you here. I wanted to make sure we got this in, even though we're a little bit over on time. I'm 21 years old, and I've been suffering from chronic pain for over a year now. I've been to numerous doctors trying to find a diagnosis, and I've been getting mixed answers from every doctor. Mm. I started seeing a holistic doctor because I don't love the idea of taking tons of medication that ruined my body. I believe that the mind and body work together. Well, they're the same thing. Your mind is part of your body. Um, I believe that the mind and body work together, but... I'm really struggling to have a positive outlook, and I fear that if I don't change my mental state, my body will only get worse. Absolutely agree. We could talk about ketamine, Dr. Green. However, it is really hard to be positive, amen, when every day is a painful struggle. Uh, can you give me some helpful tips? Doc Green, this, yeah. is, this one's hard. Seems this is like one of those edge cases. This, this, is not, this is not the yeah. the average person here. So I concur with... Her statement about mind body psychosomatic psycho visceral you know somato psycho like the, whatever way you want to go um, but at the end of the day she's 21 so what's causing her the pain right did she have an accident obviously we, we don't know from this but 
when did it start? Why did it start? What were the situations in which she started noticing all this, right? That's helpful. Um, I have seen numerous patients and I use this example. If you're driving in LA, someone cuts you off, your blood pressure goes up, you get pissed off. Mm-hmm. Like did Cortisol anything, levels did anything roof. happen to cause vasoconstriction other than your mind's response to someone being an ass? Can right. I swear on this? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> um, so it, it, your mind has a powerful physiologic uh, control over the body. So for a lot of people in this position, I certainly recommend cognitive behavioral therapy, like working with someone, whether it's imagery, medical hypnosis, to try and figure out and unpack why is your body having a visceral pain response and what is it coming from? Right. Like, is it something that was going on personally, professionally, socially, um, or is it, you know, something medical? So at that point, um, you know, further evaluation is reasonable for individuals who have chronic PTSD, anxiety, you know, pain that's been going on for a long time. And, you know, she's 21 and I'm not trying to be, um, non-sympathetic to her situation, but I'm, I'm talking about people that are a little bit older who have been through, you know, very serious traumatic scenario. Mm-hmm. Ketamine has recently been FDA approved intranasally for the treatment of those types of symptoms, especially depression, but it also has a very powerful effect, essentially resetting synapses in the brain that are created as a protective mechanism to help your body and mind be protected from something that caused great emotional or physical harm in the past. So this it's a recreational um, yeah. uh, uh, use of ketamine. We, you and I have been doing it over the, the last few uh, yeah. weeks because of what I've been dealing with with, with my sure. gut. And I can tell you, I, I have seen some marked improvements in yeah. um, my uh, depression levels, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And so, you know, for her, it's, I would start with, you know, a holistic practitioner is great. Functional integrative medicine is great. But ultimately, perhaps speaking with someone who has a little bit more experience in the cognitive aspect um, of the scope of medical practice would be reasonable just to, to dive deep beyond the day-to-day, the conscious, to figure out if there's something that is causing this peripheral pain response, right? Because a pain receptor is literally just an electrical signal. Mm -hmm. So you have the ability cognitively to increase sensitivity or decrease sensitivity to it. And there are ways to do it through, you know, those, those psycho, uh, cognitive type therapy. So, um, you know, from a lifestyle component, getting enough sleep, eating well, avoiding things that cause inflammation. Those are all like basic stuff. And you could say that and prescribe that to anyone. But for this type in particular where it's pain, because we know it has an effect both physically and emotionally, um, working with someone who has the ability to kind of guide you through unwrapping not only the conscious but the subconscious may provide a significant amount of benefit. And Lindsay, because you're one of these these edge cases like me, the things that work for the average person likely won't work for you. And I think that's when we're talking about health, quite often we're talking about the things that work for 90 plus percent of, uh, of folks, but maybe you're experiencing severe inflammation. You might have to try something that's relatively radical. I, I would encourage you to uh, check out Dr. Paul Saladino. Um, in fact, uh, we could put a link to 
him in the show notes as well. What he specializes in is helping people with severe autoimmune issues. And um, he does so through diet and nutrition, also through meditation, exercise, things like that. But it's mostly through through diet and, and a radical, I mean, the most radical uh, um, elimination diet is fasting. As, we, as we've talked about earlier on the podcast we recorded, that's not sustainable long-term. You can't fast for very long. Right. Um, and so uh, what, what mimics fasting? Quite often, there are diets that remove all inflammatory foods, and it requires a certain level of discipline on your part. But, man, being out of pain is so worth it. I can, I can tell you that firsthand. And so uh, working with someone like him who m- may not, his diet may not be appropriate for your average person, but for someone who's in extreme pain, you're only 21, man, I really feel for you. I would encourage you to reach out to, to someone like him or find someone locally even who uh, who can help you out. Yeah. Dr. Green, thank you for being here, you're brother. You're the man. It's been a pleasure, y'all. Yeah, dude, if folks want to you. check you out, uh, patrons, you can check him out. Uh, we'll put a link to his Instagram. It's at uh, Dr. Underscore Green with an E underscore D-O. We'll put a link to that because it's hard to... Hard to say their mouthful, but also uh, monarchweho.com. If you want to email him, ask him questions, it's rgreen at monarchweho.com as well. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you for being here, brother. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate, appreciate you, it. man. You're All awesome. All right, y'all. Love people use things. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for your support, y'all. The Minimalists. <laughs>